What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined here today by Kyle Soppy, who can be found on Twitter at KyleSoppyPFN. And I am joined with our special guest here, Ray Garvin, my former co-host on the Dynasty Podcast here. Ray Garvin, you can be found on Twitter at RayGQQUE. Kyle, I will come back to you in a second. Ray, how are we doing, my friend? Yates, it's always a good time when we get to chop it up, man. We've been doing this for years together, man. Uh, love seeing your growth. I'm doing well. Pleasure to meet you all uh, checking out this content on the channel, and I'm just excited for the show, man. Sapi, how are we doing here on this fine Tuesday morning? I'm doing good. We're into week three. Love to see that. A little bummer. I like the two games on Monday night. That was fun, but, you know, the Nick Chubb thing kind of sucked all the air out of the out of the balloon there. So, you know, a little down, but... But, you know, we're doing good. It's football season. What's not to like? All right. Let's get into that there. Uh, perfect segue there as we talk about Nick Chubb here. Uh, obviously, just a, a catastrophic injury, a gruesome injury that we are just in, extremely saddened to see. Uh, one of the best pure running backs in the NFL is going to miss the entirety of this year. And obviously, there is a greater conversation of whether or not even Nick Chubb returns to football based on that injury there. So, Obviously, it's difficult for us to, you know, look at an injury like that, but we have to talk about the fantasy fallout. We have to talk about the fantasy impact and what that means for us as we continue to move forward. Fantasy football never sleeps, so we need to talk about the fallout. Kyle, I will start here with you. Jerome Ford stepped in uh, and looked really, really solid here in place of Nick Chubb here. Is Jerome Ford the top waiver wire priority here for fantasy managers going into week three? Yeah, I think he has to be. I mean, you're talking about not only a guy that we trust talent-wise, but he's stepping into a role that is now vacated for the whole season. It's a lot like the conversation we had with the Ravens running backs when J.K. Dobbins went out. This isn't a situation where it's like, eh, like Matt Breida. He is what he is, but he's only going to be there and in that lead, theoretical lead role for less than a month. You're getting a full season here, or the next 14 weeks, out of Jerome Ford. To me, that gives him extreme usage you're not going to find on the wire every week or every month. So yeah, Ford, the number one guy. And I don't think it's close this week. Ray, should fantasy managers be concerned? Cause I think that we are all in agreement. Like Jerome Ford instantly skyrockets to the top of waiver wire pickups and waiver wire priorities. We were talking about that on the podcast, like Zach Moss, you get him for the next two weeks before Jonathan Taylor returns, but Jerome Ford top waiver wire pickup. Should fantasy managers be concerned though about Kareem Hunt? about Leonard Fournette, about the Cleveland Browns going out and bringing in one of these veteran free agent running backs that have been sitting out there waiting for an opportunity like this. Absolutely. I don't think there's a chance that Cleveland looks at Jerome Ford and says, this is going to be our only guy for the rest of the season. No way possible. I mean, even with Nick Chubb on the field, they were still trying to incorporate some Jerome Ford into that offense. I like what we saw out of Ford last night. I 100% agree. He should be the number one waiver wire priority ad. But I think we need to get this thing out of our head that any running back in today's NFL is the only guy that's going to touch the ball in the backfield. You can look at it from B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs. They're only a handful of bell cows in the NFL. And I think I will just err on the side of I do not believe that to be in the range of outcome for Jerome Ford. So while I'm encouraged by what he can do on a week to week basis, I'm also tempering those expectations that there will be another running back in this backfield with him. I talked about Jerome Ford as a waiver wire pickup here over on the website, pfnfantasy.com, and talked about like if it was just Jerome Ford, if we didn't have these other running backs, even Kareem Hunt, who knows this the system, the scheme, he's been in this system before, to be able to step in, if it, we didn't have that, Jerome Ford would be a 40 to 50% fab, potentially even more than that, for the week three waiver wire. Yeah. However, because we do have these other guys, 
25, 30% of your fab. I do think that Ford will still be the guy when they, if they do bring in Kareem Hunt or Leonard Fournette, there'll be a rotation though. Jerome Ford should still be the guy. You're still looking at a player 15 plus touches, a couple of tough matchups though here in the next few weeks. Let's move on here to rest of season risers and fallers before we get into some trade targets here. Let's go Sapi. Who is a rest of season riser for you? The player that rose the most in your rankings after week two. Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be Kyron Williams, right? I mean, he not only took this role from Cam Akers in, role in week one, we saw the two touchdowns in Akers with the 22 carries for 29 yards. He scored, yada, yada, yada. Cam Akers isn't a thing in LA anymore, and he's not going to be on this roster much longer the way it looks right now. Kyron Williams, I mean, are we serious with that usage? I don't know if, like, Ray was just talking about these running backs not assuming full bell cow status, but Kyron was nothing short of that in week two with acres out of the mix you're talking a 98 percent snap share you're talking 52 routes run my man was touching the ball every time the rams had a chance to give it to him when they weren't given when they weren't feeding puka which you know isn't very often either but the rams might just be better than we thought and if they are this run game is going to be viable at the very least they don't have a mobile quarterback so you're not worried about giving away usage there and right now they don't have a secondary running back they trust so kyron's his path to 15 to 20 touches on a consistent basis is there. He's moving way up my rest of season rankings. All right, let's put that to the test here. Kyron Williams or Rashad White for the rest of the year? Kyron, give me Williams there. It's, it's close because I don't really trust either offense, but I do think the Bucks want to kind of air it out a little bit more than the Rams do. So I'll go Williams there, yeah. Uh, Kyron Williams or Najee Harris for the rest of the year? Yeah, you're... I'd, you're never going to get me to say nice things about Najee. He looked okay. <laughs> we saw a little bit of juice last night. Like, I'll give him credit there. But this is still a backfield where Jalen Warren's going to eventually take over. And if he doesn't, what's the ceiling for Najee? He doesn't have the big playability. And you're looking at potentially a 50-50 split in a best-case scenario. Give me Kyron Williams, assuming they don't bring in somebody. If if they bring in somebody, move Akers and bring in a Kareem Hunt or anybody that we're worried about in Cleveland, this could change. But right now, give me Kyron over Najee Harris, which is crazy to say, given the draft day price. We're just three weeks into the season and we're already talking about Kyron Williams over Najee Harris. Ray, let's throw it over to you. Who is a rest of season riser for you after week two? Let's go to a team that's 0-2, and I cannot get enough of this player. It's Nico Collins from the Houston Texans. I love everything that's happening in Houston, despite them being 2-0. You look at Nico Collins. Yates, one of the things that I have started to sort of coin for people who are trying to dive into analytics and it's a little intimidated by the numbers, it's the wide receiver trinity. If you just look at these three metrics, you could go a little deeper. There's other things that you can look at, but you could look at target share, yards after the catch per reception and air yard share you look at those three things if you have an ability to earn targets get down the field and do damage after the catch you're probably going to be a very good fantasy football wide receiver for us and you look at what nico collins has done this year he's number three in the nfl in air yard share at 60 percent which is insane i know it's only two weeks he's 21st in yards after the catch per reception and he's got a target share of that has is over 30 percent which is 16th in the nfl you look at these three things on an offense that they're allowing their rookie quarterback to throw the ball would you imagine that you look at Bryce <laughs> Young last night they don't want him to throw it CJ Stroud back-to-back -back weeks over 40 pass attempts for this rookie the Houston Texans defense isn't very good and this is a team that 
to be honest, I don't really think that they are, their goal is to win games this year. Yes, they want to win, but what they're trying to do is make sure they've got a quarterback of the future. I do not anticipate C.J. Stroud throwing the ball any less as the season goes on, and if he's going to continue to have that volume, give me some Nico Collins in Houston. It's crazy to see what he's done here so far this year, being a very, very reliable fantasy asset. We were talking about that on the Waiver Wire podcast, but if they're going to continue to throw it, this clip, I mean, Nico Collins for sure is in your starting lineups. Robert Woods can be looked at, and so can Tank Dell. Like, if the volume is going to be there when you don't have a tight end really to talk about, yeah, these wide receivers can definitely be in starting lineups. Let's move over to the rest of season fallers in the rankings after week two. Sapi, I'll start here with you. Yeah, this is Dalvin Cook for me, and I, I'm not too proud to say I was completely dead wrong in all sorts of ways in every sort of analysis that I had for this Jets backfield. I thought he was going to be the guy coming out and Brees Hall would work in. That still might be the case, but this is... Cook doesn't look good. He looks cooked. There you go. Put that in a title. Delvin looks cooked. There we go. <laughs> SEO, everything. You got the name. You got the wordplay, all of it. The offensive struggles under Zach Wilson are going to be a problem for any running back in this system. You're talking limited touches. He has 17 carries for 40 yards this season. This offense isn't going to be on the field very often. They're going to win games. If they win games, it's going to be 20 to 17. It's not an offense I want to target. Not even by way of Garrett Wilson. I guess you could put him on this list as well if you wanted to. But yeah, I mean, Cook at best is a is on the back end of a timeshare and an offense I don't trust with you know a heavy workload in his past better days are ahead for Brees Hall I think they're not going to hold the ball for 20 minutes or whatever it was last week but Delvin Cook man I I don't know how he could be near starting lineups I think he needs to be on roster still barely I mean we talked about that with uh with Kyron Williams there and the and Najee Harris right Kyron Williams, Jerome Ford above Dalvin Cook in my rest of the season rankings yep. easily. Yep. And we're only two weeks into the season. It's crazy how much has happened here in the first two weeks. Ray, let's talk about a rest of the season faller for you. Yeah, I'm going to take the same approach and say that I was dead wrong. And this one hurts me. This one hurts me. But you know what? Fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. Can't get fooled again. Kyle Pitts. I, 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 it's just I, there. I love the talent of the player. And I was of the mindset. I was of the mindset that. He's going to go get it. It's Kyle Pitts. They spent the fourth overall pick on him. I don't care. He's going to be a massive part of this offense. There were reports that came out right at the beginning of the season that he could potentially be the third or fourth options. Thought that was hogwash. Didn't want to believe it. Closed my eyes, ignored it. We go out there the first two weeks. He's not startable. He is apt. You cannot start Kyle Pitts. Whatever anybody told you about start your studs, he's not a stud. You can't start him. And it doesn't mean that his talent is not good, but for, for whatever reason, something is going on in Atlanta where they are not utilizing him in this offense. You're, you're taking a zero with Kyle Pitts right now until things turn around. And here's the craziest part about that, y'all. Desmond Ritter threw the ball 32 times, and it. we jumped for yep. joy. Like, oh, my God, 30 pat. That's like a standard day work at, at, for, for C.J. Stroud in the third quarter, and we're jumping <laughs> for joy over 30 attempts, which won't happen very often. Kyle Pitts, Yates, he's a, he's, a, he's a faller for me. You have to talk about that. I mean, Jonu Smith, six targets, four receptions, 47 yards in week two. Kyle Pitts, nowhere to be found with five targets, two receptions, 15 yards. He got a couple of end zone targets. That's great to see, but you cannot rely on that. It, did, of course, resulted in nothing. You cannot rely on that in your starting fantasy football lineups. Absolutely hate to see it. Let's move on to running back trade targets here. Let's move into this conversation as we look at some players that we might want to consider moving or acquiring in our fantasy football league going into week three. Sapi, I will start here with you. Who is your number one running back to buy? 
I'm looking at Alexander Madison. I get that it's kind of gross. He's not the most talented or flashy back in the league, but he's got a workload that I trust on an offense that I trust. 74% of the Minnesota running back touches. You're looking at a guy that's only got 83 yards through two games. I get that that's gross and that the fantasy production hasn't been there. And then you very well might be 0-2 if you have Madison. But I'm saying if you got a decent roster, you're going out to get him. They get the Chargers this week. If ever there's a get-right spot, it's that Chargers leaky run defense. There's been two tough matchups. He's had the Eagles and the Bucks so far. Don't hold that against him. A lot of running backs are going to struggle in those spots. Madison isn't a league winner, but I think he's better than what we've seen thus far. And the manager that has him currently could be struggling and fed up with it. I think he's a good trade target given the price you're going to have to pay. I absolutely love that call. We talked about that here on a podcast recently. I think that was fr- the Friday show where we were talking about recapping the Thursday yep. night. Like we're going to talk about Alexander Madison mm-hmm. as a buy low option in fantasy football leagues because these next two matchups, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Carolina, Carolina Panthers, yeah. both matchups where Alexander Madison could get right. Ray, I'll throw it over to you. Who is your number one running back to buy in fantasy football? Yeah, let's get a little dirty here. And a name that a lot of people kind of were a little hesitant on on this team, on this offense. But Brian Robinson has really shown yeah, me man. that he's got an ability to carry the ball. I'm not the biggest B-Rob long-term. Five years from now, he's going to be an absolute superstar. But let's be honest. This Washington Commanders offense has looked better than we expected. I know it was against the Cardinals and the Broncos. But Sam Howe has at least played like a capable NFL quarterback. Eric Bieniemy coming into this offense. They're showing some creativity. And you're seeing Brian Robinson handle almost 80% of the rushing opportunity. But what's really encouraging by him, and he's never going to be a running back that you consider a pass-catching weapon. But if he's going to run 39% of the routes, he's targeted just around the same amount of times as Antonio Gibson, about 7% target share, 12% target per route run. This is encouraging. None of us expect Brian Robinson to go out there and catch nine passes in a game. But you know what? If he can get 12, if he can get 12 to 17 rush attempts and get two to three receptions every week, I think B-Rob is a nice, solid RB2 with a, uh, with a, a high-end RB2 with RB1 upside rest of season. Going into week two, I had two running backs to fade in your starting lineups. Uh, one of them was Brian Robinson going up against the Denver Broncos. He scored two touchdowns. The other one was Raheem Mostert. He oh, scored two go. touchdowns. So bad no for two there. Uh, the Ray, the follow-up question that I will have here is, obviously he's coming off of an RB1 finish. Right? You would you would be buying high on Brian Robinson. Next two matchups, Buffalo and Philadelphia. Is this a situation where you circle Brian Robinson's name? Say these are two tough matchups coming up. Maybe in week four, I'm going to go after him because I know that the talent level is there, but we've got some tougher matchups on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, you know, Buffalo and Philadelphia, Philly's defense doesn't concern me as much. But to your point, put this name, circle the name, monitor this situation because he just fits the profile of a guy that's going to be available for us in week 17. And that's what I need. I need you available 14, week 15, week 16, week 17. I need you there at the stretch. Think Brian Robinson will provide that value down the line. Maybe you could wait for him to have a little down game by low. I don't know how people really feel about him. So by high, I wonder what that would actually cost, but I really like B Rob. All right, Sapi, let's send it over to you. Your number one running back to sell this week. Yeah, you mentioned Thursday Night Football, and I'm going to go with the star of last Thursday and DeAndre Swift. It's nothing against Swift. It's just the resume and the team. 
I don't know that he can carry a full workload for an extended period of time because we've never seen him do it. No team trusts him. And to me, I'm going to trust these teams, these medical staffs that work with these players every day over my stupid self that's just sitting in front of a computer and guessing and saying, hey, Swift looks great. Let's load him up. We did this with Lamar Miller like a decade ago. It's like, oh, he's getting 12 touches a game. Let's get him 15. You know what we got? The exact same numbers and eventually an injury. So I don't know if Swift, you're cashing in this chip right now if you want to if you don't and you want to hold i'm with it the eagles offense is good enough to support a back maybe two but you're talking about a super long week they played thursday night now on monday night you would think gainwell is going to be okay to go they brought in penny you've got boston scott you've got jalen hurts and his lock to gain one yard and score every touchdown that's anywhere near the end zone so i don't know exactly what the through path is for swift producing on a consistent basis like I said, a crowded backfield with a mobile quarterback and three pass catchers you got to feed. To me, that's not the profile I want to bank on. I'm selling high after the island game, big game that everybody saw moving on from DeAndre Swift. All right, Soppy. DeAndre Swift in a trade package for Jerome Ford plus something. Which side of that are you taking? Yeah, I mean, obviously it depends what the plus something is, but I like Ford. Jacoby Myers. Oh, forget Ford then. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I like where you're going there. I think Ford, I don't think you have to give Swift to get Ford right now, but I don't think that's a crazy mark one for one the rest of the way because we know Ford is locked into what he's going to be. I get the risk that comes with a secondary running back there, but there's already three of them on Philadelphia that they went out of their way to get ahead of time. They're With Cleveland, you're talking an emergency option. You're talking Kareem Hunt or something like that that wasn't worked into the plans. So, I, yeah, if you can make a trade like that, especially if Jacoby Myers on the other end, I'm all in. All right, Ray, let's throw it over to you. Number one running back to sell. This is um this is a tough one for me, and I'm going to package it up like this. I, I think the the running back slash backs to sell would be the backup running backs in New Orleans, Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller. I'd package them all up, and here's why I say Kendra Miller. Jamal Williams gets hurt so gets hurt on Monday night, and all I see is, man, Kendra was almost ready. It's it's going to yeah. Tony Jones is in. Kendra when he's back next week, he's going to be the guy. Well, you know what happens after week three for the New Orleans Saints? Alvin Kamara's back. You watched that game last night, and as good as Chris Olave and as encouraging as Michael Thomas looked, they have no juice in the backfield. They need Alvin Kamara back in the worst way in a division that looks a lot more competitive than a lot of people thought coming into the season. When Alvin Kamara is back, y'all, they are about to load him up with every single touch that he can get because I don't believe he's going to be on the roster next year. So if I'm Dennis Allen, if I'm the Saints, AK-41, it's your swan song. We are about to load you up with work. We do not need Derek Carr throwing the ball a lot. So if there are any interested buyers in your leagues for a Kendra Miller today, I love him for Dynasty, but this year it's going to be the Alvin Kamara show when he comes back. All right, let's move into wide receiver trade targets here. Sapi, I'll throw it back over to you. Your number one wide receiver to buy in fantasy football. I'm going Mike Williams. Big, bad Mike Williams. I think this Kellen Moore offense is going to get better with time as Justin Herbert gets acclimated with it. Keenan Allen looks great. He's still a 31-year-old receiver that could decline with time as the season goes on. I love how he looks now, but you know we're playing the long game here if you're trying to acquire Mike Williams. We're talking two games this season. He hasn't been great. We saw him vacuuming targets last week. But one was a run-heavy script against the Dolphins team that they just wanted to keep the offense off the field. And the other one 
the other one last week was without Austin Eckler. So to me, we haven't really seen a true showing of what this Chargers offense is going to be come October, come November. It's going to be high-flying. It's going to be potent. It's going to be challenging teams downfield. And there's no player on that Charger offense that I want, if that's going to be the case, more than Mike Williams. I think the targets from last week continue. The touchdowns come. The production comes. Top 20 guy for me the rest of the way. You might not have to pay that right now. I love the call here for Mike Williams because the next two matchups to Minnesota and Las Vegas, mm -hmm. those are two matchups here that you can definitely take advantage of Mike Williams. Get him before those are big blow up performances. Ray, I'll throw it over to you. Your number one wide receiver to buy. Very easy. I'm going back to another 0-2 team with an incredible offensive coordinator and an offense that has looked better than advertised to start the season. Let's go to the AFC South and talk about Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. 98% route participation in week two, 32% target share. He's getting over 30% of the air yards on that team. And Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen are consolidating targets to which Anthony Richardson's skill set fits. Pittman, 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 red zone opportunities, yards after the catch opportunities, and being the only guy on that offense that seems like they can really move the ball down the field, this is going to be a big season for Michael Pittman Jr. I'm chasing volume. I'm chasing opportunity. And Anthony Richardson, and even if he were, would have missed time, we saw Gardner Minshew in that offense be able to operate that efficiently. Michael Pittman Jr. is the alpha in this offense and will continue to be that for the rest of the season. A player that I think you can get now because he's not a he's not a hyped up name. He's not this big name player, but he's got big time production. So Michael Pittman Jr., give me him as a wide receiver buy. I love that you said that chasing the opportunity, right? That's what we need to do in fantasy football. We do not chase the fantasy points, which is what the majority of people who play in your in your fantasy football leagues do. So week one, you wouldn't have been you would have had to pay a premium price for Michael Pittman Jr. when he had 20 half PPR points because he got that long touchdown. 12, 11 targets in week one, 12 targets in week two, eight receptions both weeks, only 10 fantasy points this past week, though, because he didn't find the end zone. But the opportunity is there. So you can buy low on this guy. You're still going to have to pay up. But again, this is uh, still a situation where can we buy into Anthony Richardson? You can chase the opportunity. Love the call there. Let's move into wide receivers to sell. Sapi, I will throw it to you first. Yeah, and I feel like we're going to use this section just to poo-poo the 49ers every single week whether it's receiver or tight end whatever one of them has a big game I'm gonna move on and cash in that chip while I can every one of them Ayuk, Debo and George Kittle are all gonna have weeks where they're the top producer at the position or a top five guy and I'm gonna want to move on because I know that there's gonna be three weeks around it that aren't so good so I'm moving on from Debo 11 touches 101 yards and a touchdown last week that's great Show it to me on a consistent basis. This isn't 2021 where he's getting five to eight carries and scoring from 30 yards out every single time. It's not that because you can't do that. That's not sustainable. It wasn't then. It isn't now. It's hard to do. And if Brock Purdy, I mean, we saw some cracks last week. Like he he missed a few passes. Ayuk's banged up now. Debo, I get the optimism with the running game. If that's there, maybe. Maybe he can continue to pay off on a consistent basis, but he really hasn't been as efficient of a receiver since Purdy took over. That scares me in an offense that I don't think is going to be a high volume. So I'm moving on from Debo after a big game, even though I know three more big games are inevitable at some point during the season. Let me ask you this, Debo Samuel for A.J. Brown. Do you think that a trade like that gets done here as A.J. Brown coming off of a really down performance, finishes the wide receiver 71 in half PPR scoring formats this past week? Do you think that a deal like that could get done in your league? If I have a, if I, if I'm trading Debo for AJ Brown, I am doing that before the paint dries. Like I am doing that as fast as humanly possible. I'd be willing to give up a small piece 
on the back end if that's what it took to make a trade like that happen. If you want to make that trade, go over to pfnfantasy.com. We've got a free trade analyzer where you can input in some of those options here. Absolutely free for you. Make sure to check that out, pfnfantasy.com. Ray, number one wide receiver to sell. Yeah, Soppy talked about this team earlier and a player off of this team, and he actually mentioned the player's name, but it's Garrett Wilson. And I think what happened on Sunday for Garrett Wilson managers was the best case outcome, that he scored a long yeah. touchdown. People will ignore the fact that Zach Wilson threw the ball 29 times, which is not a lot. He averaged 26 pass attempts last year when he was the starting quarterback. And Garrett Wilson's splits with Zach Wilson are awful. He was saved by a long touchdown, and there's still some hopium out there for fantasy gamers that that can happen every single week. Sell Garrett Wilson. This has nothing to do with the talent of the player. I had him as wide receiver three in Dynasty coming into the season. No Aaron Rodgers. This is a problem. This It just felt like a team that was deflated on Sunday. And I get Dallas's defense is tough, but if there is a market out there for somebody in your league that believes that type of production from Garrett Wilson will continue, they are not paying attention to the opportunity. Take advantage of that. Move Garrett Wilson. He's not going to be able to do that every week. It is not sustainable. Eight targets, eight targets in week two, two receptions. Uh, yeah, you, you sell. You sell right now. Wide receiver 22 finishes in both weeks there. This is an opportunity to just get what you can right now for Garrett Wilson and move on. Let's move into some quarterback and tight end trade targets here, fellas. Let's go, Soppy. I'm going to go with your number one quarterback to buy. I'm going Trevor Lawrence here, and I would buy him, but I have him in all the leagues. So I'm not really <laughs> sending out too many trade offers here. I was high on him in the preseason. I'm doubling down now. I'm not that discouraged about the start. Yeah, a tough week, too. I get it. There were four near touchdowns with toe taps and situations like that against the Chiefs. They scored nine points. Every offense in the NFL is going to have bad weeks. It just happened to happen at the beginning of the season, so now it throws all the season stats off. And like you said, people are watching box scores. They're a little concerned about that. I'm not. He's got over 20 rushing yards in both games. We've seen a Christian Kirk game. We've seen a Zay Jones game. We've seen a Calvin Ridley game. To me, all three of those guys are viable threats for Lawrence to take advantage of. Evan Ingram, also very capable and steady player at the tight end position. And the running backs are viable. I don't get why you would trust trevor lawrence after one bad week his price could be diminished a little bit i think he's a top five ish quarterback i'm going i'm getting him i'm paying whatever it takes to acquire him right now if his price is dropped in the eyes of his owner so let's say you got kirk cousins on your roster there you want to go get trevor lawrence so you taking lawrence or cousins for the rest of the year yeah i mean if you can do that then it's robbery and you're winning your league and you, you cut me and kyle off a piece of that paycheck from when you <laughs> take home the title here. That's not even close to me. Like I get that Kirk Cousins has been good and that the floor is high, but the ceiling isn't nearly what it is for Trevor Lawrence. So give me Lawrence there. I, If you told me Lawrence finished at the top of tier two at the quarterback position, I'd believe you. That's after the big three, If you depending where you want to put Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's as good as they come. Ray, let's throw it over to you. Number one quarterback to buy. Jordan Love Yates is my number one quarterback to buy. I have been so impressed by this young man. He's a player that I was on record saying I do not believe he'd be nearly as bad as a lot of the fantasy analysts thought he would be. He sat for a million years. He should be good just by way of osmosis of soaking up information, being in the meeting room. But you look at what he's done early this season. 
What's most encouraging about what Jordan Love has done and what he's produced is he's doing it on low volume right now. He is not out there throwing the ball 35, 45 times per game. You know, he only had, I think he had sub 30 pass attempts on Sunday versus the Atlanta Falcons. He's doing it with second year wide receivers and rookie wide receivers. But what it, what this offense is showing me that is it, it is efficient that the offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, knows how to call plays. He's putting Jordan Love in advantageous situations. Their offensive line is giving him time to protect and, and throw the ball. Jordan Love is going to be a guy where you look up midway through the season and be like, dang, wish I had a couple of shares of that guy, especially if you've got a big-name asset and you can do a teardown off of a big-name asset, off of a Dak Prescott, maybe off of a Daniel Jones, maybe off of you know one of these guys. If you can tear down and grab a Jordan Love for people who still aren't believers, this is one that I'd be buying into Jordan Love rest of season. Yeah, did that on 25 pass attempts. 25 pass attempts here in week two. Uh, went 14 for 25 there and put up 20, uh, 20 fantasy points there in that matchup. The one thing that I will say about Jordan Love moving forward is week three is a matchup against the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans has been a very, very tough defense. So again, might be one of those situations, Ray, where just circle the name, come back after week three, and then go by because we might not see a top tier performance from him here. Let's move into tight end to buy. Let's stick at some players that we uh, let's stick with some players that we are looking to buy in fantasy football. Soppy, your number one tight end to buy. Give me Dells Goddard. After a boring, terrible week one, we saw him involved in the offense early and often in the week two win. And I think that's here to stay. I mean, Devonta Smith and AJ Brown are going to do their things on the perimeter. And we touched on the run game earlier. But I mean, you're talking a guy that has six catches for 22 yards this season. If somebody is looking at the tight end position and they're like i could get any i could get jake ferguson off the trash heap here and pick him up and get my six to eight targets and be just fine i could pick up kyle pitts i could trade for kyle pitts and get this production Dallas Goddard is better than that this offense is better than that i trust jalen hurts more than i trust any of the quarterbacks that i just mentioned he's a clear target that they want to get rolling i think they value him in this offense and understand what he brings to the table it's a very very easy way to get cheap exposure to one of the top five offenses in the game. And that's what I'm in the business of doing, especially at this position where production is so hard to come by after the top tier. An interesting trade to consider there is potentially Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta here Go now. A uh, couple Please. of decent performances here in the first couple weeks of the season could be a player that you can move for Dallas Goddard in your fantasy football league. Ray, let's go back to you. Number one tight end to buy. Well, you know we couldn't do a show together without talking about our favorite players and, and one of your favorite players, Yates, and I'm just going to let the people know. It's quarterback Mac Jones' number one tight end, Hunter oh, Henry. No. This, is a, <laughs> this is an offense, baby, that wants to flow through the tight end. It feels like old New England times of the past. You got the dual tight ends. Mac Jones running around, slinging the ball. You got nasty Kendrick Bourne on one side and Devontae Parker, just a bunch of nastiness. But you got nice Hunter Henry right there playing tight end, gobbling up those targets, getting down the field. And it, he does truly look like Mac Jones's most reliable and consistent wide receiver. So when you're talking about buying a tight end that doesn't cost you much of anything and will probably produce more than replacement value level, I don't see why this is going to slow down with Bill O'Brien calling the plays, with Hunter Henry probably being one of their most reliable pass catchers. It's the only guy that Mac Jones has that really can throw to in the red zone. So if I were looking at a cheap tight end that, that you can buy that's going to produce 
probably pretty decent numbers because the tight end landscape is just putrid right now. Hunter Henry is one that shouldn't cost you much of anything. Sign me up for some Mac Jones, baby. Hunter Henry, let's get it, Yates. All right. I didn't appreciate the Mac Jones praise. I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> I did appreciate the Hunter Henry praise because yeah, all offseason, <laughs> I was like, draft Hunter Henry in the final round of your fantasy draft. Get him as a tight end. He's going off the board as a tight end 27 in drafts. Like, just add him in the final round, and it has paid off in a big way. I love the call there. Tight end one and tight end two in half PPR scoring finishes over the first two weeks of the season. Kyle Sabi, I'm not going to even let you get uh -huh. a word in here. Let's go to number one, quarterback two, Cell. Where are we going? To me, it's Dak Prescott. Uh, to be honest with you, me and Ray see this, all of this situation a little bit differently because I think Jordan Love would be closer to a sell than a buy for me. 40% more points per completion than any of the past three MVPs for Jordan Love. So I think there's some regression to build in there, but I'll go to Dak. I just don't trust the volume. I don't think Dells wants him to be fantasy viable. They've got Tony Pollard, who's amazing. They've got CeeDee Lamb, who's great. Outside of that, Brandon Cook's already dinged up. Michael Gallup, I'm not sure he was ever that good. They moved on from Dalton Schultz at the tight end position. Jake Ferguson's a nice player. Not really a number two option in an offense that I want to bank on. The Cow we saw the Cowboys beat the hell out of the Jets this past week, but I think they're going to win games similarly how the Jets want to win games. A lot of these weird 24 to 16 kind of games, they're going to win games through the ground game and the defense. To me, Dak is, Dak is just blah. He, he doesn't run anymore. I don't trust the athleticism. I don't trust the targets outside of CD Lamb. And they had 42 minutes of possession last week. Like that's... That's not going to happen. That's how he was able to pile up numbers against a good Jets defense. I get where the fantasy production against a good defense is going to look good to some managers. I would use that as a selling point and move on from Dak if I can. Ray, talk to him about Dak Prescott. Oh, man. Oh, you know, uh, this is our first show together, and I'm, I'm loving Sappy. But, man, this, <laughs> this take right here. Now, if, if Dak would have went out there and struggled versus the Jets, the narrative would have been, I told you, look at him. He goes out there and goes 31 for 38, plays efficient football, and now it's, well, I know he did it versus a good defense. No, nothing is changing. Dallas, this is not the same Dallas team. When you've got this defense, and to be honest with you, Tony Pollard's been inefficient. 25 True. carries for 70-something yards. He's been an inefficient runner. CeeDee Lamb, Jake Ferguson, this offense is operating well. No offensive line is healthy, but this offensive line is 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 pretty good. Nothing's changing for the Cowboys. I think Dak, Dak Prescott, I actually bought him last night, sold Deshaun Watson, bought Dak Prescott. But for me, one of the quarterbacks that I'm looking to sell, I'm just going to say it, one of the quarterbacks that I'm looking to sell, he had a monster week in week two, smashed QB1. But Daniel Jones, I, I love me some Danny Dimes. I, I was screaming from the hilltops. Daniel Jones, Brian Dayball in this offense. I'm concerned, guys. I'm very concerned about this offensive line. I'm concerned about Saquon Barkley. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned about this team. They play San Francisco, Seattle, Miami, Buffalo, the Commanders, the Jets, get a little bit of reprieve versus the Raiders, and then it's the Cowboys, Commanders, Patriots, Packers, Saints, Eagles to close it out. Yeah. This is a brutal schedule. I When I say I am concerned, I am truly concerned for Daniel Jones. I I think he's a very talented fantasy football scorer. That he can do it in multiple ways. But this offensive line is a problem. The running game is a problem. This could be very bad for Daniel Jones and the Giants moving forward. This, If you have him, take this QB1 finish and try to get out before San Francisco. You have 48 hours before <laughs> it might be over, so get out. The clock is running. Uh, Ray, Daniel Jones or Joe Burrow for the rest of the year? Oh, Joe Burrow. I'll just bank on Burrow. Just give me Burrow. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones or Justin Fields for the rest of the year? 
I stumped him. We're I think we've done guy. shows now We're for like three guy. or four yeah. years. <laughs> it's the Spider-Man meme. I'll say this, and I could be wrong. You you know better about. I don't know. I don't think the Giants will pull Daniel Jones, no matter how bad he looks. I don't think they're pulling him. Is there any chance Chicago pulls Fields out for his safety, for his protection, and lets Tyson? Ba Is there any? I I'd probably take Daniel Jones to answer the question. Probably Daniel Jones, but I don't feel good. I would say if there's any possibility of that with Fields, it's week 14, yeah, it's week late. 15. Yes. Like we're nowhere. But, that's what's, but right. that's what's scary to me is that they do it then, right? Is that they do it at the end of the season. That's what's scary for me. Um. All right. Hosting this. I have absolutely zero clue where we're at. Uh. Let's go Soppy. I think it is your number one tight end to sell. It is. And it's going to be my man Ray's number one to buy. Like I don't want Hunter Henry. He's got five catches and a touchdown in both weeks. You're telling me he's going for 80 catches and 17 touchdowns? Like, there's no way he's yes. going to continue. Yes, that's the... <laughs> okay, and we'll put Jacoby Myers... Uh, we'll extrapolate those numbers, too, and see, see where we land. But, no, I'm out on Hunter Henry. I just don't trust this passing attack the way you guys seem to. I don't think they want Mac Jones throwing the ball 40-plus times a game. He's done it twice this year. He'd done it twice in his career prior to this year. I'm just not that impressed with what he offers. And I think if the volume dials back, you, you, Ray mentioned the receivers. Like They don't have any great receivers, but they've got a lot of similar guys that I think vacuum in some of those targets. And is Hunter Henry going to be good for five catches and a touchdown if they're throwing 31 passes a game instead of 48 or whatever it currently is? To me, Henry is the perfect kind of sell high. It's somebody... If I have Hunter Henry right now, I'm moving him for a running back or receiver that I think I can flex on a consistent basis, and I'm comfortable streaming the position. I'll take my chances with the Gerald Everett, with a Sam Laporta, with a Dalton Kincaid, with a Jake Ferguson. There's a bunch of guys in that general tier, and I don't think Hunter Henry's that different than what you can find off the wire moving forward. I don't think that the Patriots want Mac Jones throwing the ball 40 times per game. I think that they're going to have to. They might. Yeah, I think sure. that they, they might have to. I actually do think they want him to throw it. You know why? Because they need to know, can this guy be can the quarterback? Yeah. This is the year. Like, I, I truly believe that from the football standpoint, they want him to throw as much as possible. Let me see what you got. And I think it's a, it's similar but different what Houston is doing with Stroud. Just let him throw. He's right. young. Just let him throw. So I do think New England's kind of teetering on Mac. And they're just like, all right, we'll go throw the ball. Let's see what you can do. And so far, I'll just say this. He's looked a lot better than when, when Matt Patricia was the offensive coordinator. <laughs> um, but for me, my, my number one tight end sell is I'm always looking at, at, at names that aren't met. The game isn't matching the name. I'm looking at the name and I'm like, man, this is a great name, but the game and what they're actually doing in the production just doesn't match. I love George Kittle. Yep. I think George Kittle is a phenomenal tight end football player. He's a charismatic character. I love George Kittle, but they don't use him. I mean, San Francisco continues to tell us that they are not going to utilize him in this offense the way that he was with Jimmy Garoppolo. Brock Purdy is looking to get the ball downfield to Brandon Ayuk. They're utilizing Debo Samuel. And because this 49ers offensive line is not as good as it was last year, they're utilizing George Kittle to block a lot because he's one of the best, if not the best blocking tight end right. in the NFL that's sort of used as a weapon. So he's got a lot of name. People love George Kittle. This is a good offense. I feel like there's a moment when it happens, you will have an opportunity in a window to sell George Kittle. And maybe that has not really happened yet, but he will have a two-touchdown game. He will have a blow-up performance. And after that, you have to have the discipline to say the trends probably are not going to change. Can I get out on this player, capitalize on that name, get similar production, and move on from George Kittle? Love him. 
But I, I don't think he's going to return what the name George Kittle brings to the table. Well, it goes back to what Sapi was talking about with the sell of Debo Samuel. Like at one point, George Kittle will blow up. George Kittle will have a big blow up performance. It might be in week three against the New York Giants defense. Like it might legitimately happen here on Thursday Night Football. At that point, get out. Just get out from George Kittle because you spent a premium pick to get him onto your roster. Tight end 27 finish and tight end 32 finish over the first Yeesh. two weeks of the season. Not living up to that expectation. Get out while you can. All right. That was an awesome podcast here talking through some trade targets. Ray, why don't you let the people know what you got going on this year and where they can find and follow you on social media? Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Doing the same thing that y'all are. Cranking out content for people to win fantasy championships. That's what I do. Little different style, little different approach. Really diving into replacement value war data. So you can check all that out on DestinationDevy.com or go to Destination Devi or Ray GQ on YouTube. Follow me on X or Twitter or whatever we call it now. But more than anything, I appreciate chopping it up with you guys. Really appreciate what you guys are doing. This was a fun show. Absolutely. If you are watching over on YouTube, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, click that bell to get notified for when our new content drops over at youtube.com slash at PFN fantasy and all of the written content can be found over at PFNFantasy.com. All right. For Ray Garvin and Kyle Sapi, I'm Kyle Yates and we'll see you next time.